0: mold breakers trailblazers and takers of roads less traveled and we're here to tell their stories here's your host andrew lawrence not all of us look the way the world expects us to look think as the world expects us to think or arrive at our destination the way the world expects us to on the square Peg podcast we give a voice to mold breakers trailblazers and takers of roads less traveled i'm your host andrew lawrence and here are their stories And thank you to the Searchlight Needles for getting us started as always. The Hashtag Needles aren't just a quartet of middle-aged, overweight, and balding El Pasoans. Robert Martinez, Josh Smith, Adrian Ortiz, and David Sines are four really fantastic guys who hold down jobs and take care of families during the week, and they rock out on the weekends. You can find them on the web at www.searchlightneedles.com. You can find them on Facebook, and you can download their album on all streaming services. My guest today is a native of Lordsburg, New Mexico, and like all Lordsburg natives, he knows everyone in and from Lordsburg. He is a devout Christian, a recovering addict, and he hosts the Sports and More podcast, which is produced weekly in El Paso, Texas, and focused primarily on local youth, high school, collegiate, and professional sports. Eddie Morales, welcome to the Square Peg podcast. Andrew! thank you man <laughs> did you learn anything about yourself right there i,
1: I um it was so cool because uh, i don't know if you know this or not but as you were talking and saying i'm from lordsburg and i know everybody there and uh you know i've been here in in las cruces for geez you gotta be over 20 years now and i've l- met a lot of people here in las cruces and then i've been working in el paso for the past uh six years and i met a lot of people in el paso uh but just a, a long story short um
0: my nickname one of my nicknames is the mayor. I'm not surprised. Now the question is, I I just thought of this. Have you ever met anybody in Las Cruces or El Paso that was from Lordsburg that you didn't know?
1: Have I ever met anybody from Lordsburg? Yes. Yes, I have. I've run into people and they're like, We know your parents. And I'm like, Okay. I don't know you. I'm sorry. And there's sorry. only like 32 people. Yeah, in Lourdesburg, so. it's it's dwindled down a little bit. It yeah. used to be 37. Yeah, he
0: used to be 40. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is I actually well at the at the truck stop where you used to work, I just ran into somebody who there's a uh, a lady who works there who's from Lordsburg.
1: Is it Pilot Travel Center?
0: Yeah. And oh. I was like, hey, do you know Eddie Morelos? He's from Lordsburg. She's like, no. I'm like, man, I thought everybody from that's the first time I've ever talked to any from anybody from Lordsburg and ask them about somebody else from Lordsburg and they didn't know. Well,
1: that's very surprising because everybody knows my father because my father uh, has been a school board member uh, there in Lordsburg for the past 30 years and uh, uh, he's been a city council member there for the past 25 plus years. So if they don't know me, they usually know my father uh, or vice
0: versa. Or maybe she just didn't want to admit it. Maybe,
1: maybe she just now, was like, now, nah, My I question don't want for him. you,
0: talking about the Lordsburg School District, is it called the Lordsburg Independent School District or is it just the Lordsburg? school district it's called the Northburg L- Municipal School District is it really one thing I noticed and somebody made fun of me for asking this question of course I've been here for what 22 almost 23 years now and other than the Las Cruces school district all of the other districts around here seem to have the word independent in them yeah. and my question what the hell are you independent of I, I don't know and I wonder every district is independent of the other districts I, I think about municipalities right
1: because <laughs> Lordsburg a municipality and with its size I don't well, really there, know what the definition sc- are is any, about that.
0: Are there any schools in uh in Hidalgo County that are not that are outside the city limits that are in the distant County? Yeah, there's one other school, Animus High School. An- Animus, that's uh-huh. right. And I think they're known as like Animus Independent School District. Interesting.
1: Very interesting. And, you know, being from that small school, that small town of Lordsburg, you know, and and here in New Mexico, you're you're very aware. We love our sports here, you know, just like most other spots. Uh, You know, coming from Lordsburg, we used to have to travel across state. To, to play games, travel all the way up to Clayton, New Mexico. From Imagine going from the most south uh,
0: southern part of the state to the most northern part of the state. And that's a problem that I've noticed. Um, a lot of these smaller school districts, the teams have to travel a lot farther. And I thought about this, um, you know, Anthony, the city of Anthony has its own school district. Yes. And then there's a kind of two independent school district. Mm-hmm. And the problem is these are extremely small districts with extremely small schools And the money that they have to spend and the time they have to spend traveling seems to me why don't you just why don't they just make one big El Paso County yeah and then they can combine schools and you don't have to worry about you pull your money you pull your resources uh, you don't have to travel 400 miles to play a high school football game um, and you don't have to spend all those expenses you don't have to take kids out of school
1: I mean Andrew you you you're hitting it right there man It, it makes sense but. I mean, that's our government. When it makes sense, they usually go a different route. Well, there you
0: go, and that's not just our <laughs> government; that's people too. But you, so in El Paso, I'll go back. So, of course, I met you when you were working at the Pilot Travel Center. You were what was the job? Was it a porter? I was.
1: I was at Pilot right? Travel Center, and I was. Um, I did uh, cashier, maintenance. Okay. I did a little bit
0: of everything. I seem to remember you most being a maintenance guy. But then after that, I would always see you. I had for about a dozen years uh, season tickets for Aggie basketball. Yep. And I want to see you running stats. Yep. It would always kind of bug you. Like, can you get me a stats? <laughs> that's you know, where, that's you,
1: where we first, uh, you know, you kind know, of started, kinda to, started uh, rubbing elbows, I guess you could right? say, other than the, tra- the the pilot travel center. Uh, but yeah, I remember that seeing you there. And that was and, uh, when I was a uh, first
0: started my career. Right. And now you actually, um, you cut, you do some contract work with Aggie Athletics. You went up to the. WAC uh, tournament this year, right?
1: Yes, I did. I went and worked the WAC basketball tournament once again. Uh, I've worked that a couple of years now, and it's a lot of fun. I am uh, one of the statisticians, um, either typing in the stats or, or stats or calling out uh, the stats for the typists, uh, one or the other. And I've been doing that for New Mexico State for many, many years. Uh, because when I first started, like you said, like you said, I used to be a student worker at that time. I was barely starting my career, and they would only, you know, give me the printouts, and you go hand them to the people. And then
0: now. I'm the one who's typing them in most of the time. Yeah, you were talking about that. So I listened last week, your your episode of the Sports & More podcast. You had Mondo Medina on, and you were talking about just that. What you just mentioned, something about you're basically a spotter, if you will. So you get to watch so, the game and, and basically talk about it. Yeah, and- Whoever's collecting the stats has to listen to you.
1: And in that particular uh, instance that I was talking about with uh, the monster, for those who know Mondo, the monster Medina out of El Paso, Texas, I was talking about an instance where I went, where I was able to go and work uh, the national championship game. That's right. It was a big-time college football game. It was a college football national championship game, which featured Clemson against Alabama. And I was one of the callers. So I basically got to watch the entire game, uh, you know, from the press box through binoculars and call out what
0: was going on. Make sure you get the jersey numbers right. Make sure you get
1: the jersey numbers right. Who made the tackle. Yeah, Exactly. From every instance, uh, uh, you know, it's a a rush by number 35 uh, and a tackle by number 22 at the 15-yard
0: line. It's going to be second and three. So you, you do some of this contract work, and then, of course, you've got the Sports More podcast, which we'll get to in a minute. You also work for the Sun Bowl Association.
1: Yes, that's my that's my main gig right now. And is yes. it, that's the full-time thing?
0: That's my full-time job,
1: uh, is, a, is the, working for the Sun Bowl Association. What's your, what's your position with that? I am the media relations director for the Sun Bowl Association, so that means I, I work a lot with the media. Uh, you know, I'm the, kind of the middleman between the association and the media. Uh, if there's a press release to be sent out, Uh, I'll I'll be the one to write it and and make sure to distribute it to all the media members around the area. Uh, I just wrote a press release yesterday and sent it out, um, you know, and um, I also run our social media platforms for the Sumble Association, which I, I basically oversee now because I let all my interns to, uh, do the social media aspect of, of uh, the Sun Association so I've worked a partnership with New Mexico State Journalism Department um, to bring on interns every semester so if anybody's looking for an internship
0: and uh, you're in the media marketing you could join me now how does how does a college football bowl game which lasts about three hours and a parade uh, translate into full-time employment for anybody Yeah, good question, because a lot of people, when I left New Mexico State, were
1: like, wow, you get to just work one event now all all year long, which, you know, it seemed like the right thing to do, right? And uh, uh, more money, less work, but, you know, honestly, we put on many more events. Uh, Again, I I mentioned about a press release that I sent out yesterday. Yesterday we announced that we're hosting a big flag football tournament in El Paso, Texas, on the west side, uh, which will hopefully bring in, you know, about 100 teams from across the region here. And, and bring a lot of visitors to El Paso, which we need right now uh, because of, you know, we're just getting getting through the pandemic. We need to, you know, help our economy here in the area. So we're hoping to attract more people. And that's one of the main missions of the Sun Bowl Association
0: is how do we bring more visitors to the region? You know, the Sun Bowl is actually, if I'm not mistaken, one of the oldest bowls. And not, it's not one of the original five, I don't think, or the big new Year, five New Year's Day bowls. But I can tell you it's been around a long time, and I actually went to the Sun Bowl Parade. I want to say it was in 1981. Wow. Um, you know, I told you my, my mother is from El Paso, and it was 1981, 82, maybe. My grandparents had a big party for their 50th anniversary, and mm-hmm. I think that's why we were in town for that at that time. And uh, we went to the Sun Bowl Parade, and I've actually never been to the game. Um, I was invited, I want to say maybe 10 years ago or so, and, I, you know, I've gotten to the point, of my, honestly, in my old age where I don't like having to commit a whole day to something where I can't, <laughs> like, there's nowhere for me to take a nap or, you know, and then the temptation to day drink. And, and it turned out it was a ugly, disgusting, you know, one of the handful of days a year where there's cold and, and yes. wet and you know, I want to, like I said, I want to say it was about 10 years ago, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad I didn't go. I don't know if it was the year. Was it the Sun Bowl? Was it the tailgate for the Sun Bowl where they had that famous, that big brawl, and there's the old man taking a. Taking that was a at a UTEP football game. Okay. That well, was not at our bowl game. Okay. Well, UTEP fans, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> Spoken <laughs> like a true Aggie fan. So,
1: the, the Sun Bowl, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, which we're known as right now, is the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Uh, Kellogg's is our title sponsor. Uh, we are current, we are the second oldest bowl game. Uh, around. Uh, We've been around since 1935. And, um, you know, last year because of the pandemic was the first time we haven't had our bowl game. Um, You know, we average probably about 40,000 fans every year uh, the local community, the, both Las Cruces and El Paso truly support this bowl game every year. It's so, it's so awesome. I'll never forget, Andrew, uh, when I first took this job with the Sun Bowl, how impressed and amazed I was with, um, the people of El Paso, uh, just coming together, uh, to put on events like the bowl game and now the, um, Sun Bowl Thanksgiving Day Parade. Uh, I don't know if you've been to the Thanksgiving Day Parade ever or if you've seen it on TV, but we probably get about 200,000 people out there on Montana Avenue every Thanksgiving morning uh, starting at 10 a.m. And it's just an amazing, amazing event
0: to be well, a part of. I Actually, you just kind of made me think of something that I had, I've thought about for a number of years. And maybe you know this question, maybe you don't. And if, and if you don't, I'm sure you'll find out. <laughs> I seem to remember, and I'm old enough to remember this, about when bowl games started getting corporate sponsorships. And if I'm not mistaken, I remember the Sun Bowl as being the first bowl that I remember. You're 100% correct. It, so am I right? It, was the, it was the John Hancock Sun Bowl. It was the John Hancock. And then after a couple of years, it, for a year or two, it was just the John Hancock Bowl. So
1: it started
0: that way. When
1: they when they took on the corporate sponsorship, they called it the John Hancock Bowl.
0: Okay, I thought it was and John Hancock lasted, Sun Bowl, and then they went to uh, John Hancock and then went back. And then they, because the people of El
1: Paso and the fans that support right. this game, they said, no, we're the Sun Bowl. we got to have that Sun Bowl name. Okay, so they went back to John Hancock Sun Bowl. And then again, like you said, we were the first ones that started a big, big trend, right. and it's still going on. You know what yeah. I mean? And then, I, like I mentioned, right now we're known as the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. And when we kept, got on with Kellogg's uh, two years ago, you know, they wanted to call us just the Tony the Tiger Bowl.
0: We fought, and, and we, yeah. we're the Sun Bowl. You know, it, it's something, you, when you mention about how the people of El Paso rallied around and really wanted that Sun Bowl name back, I spent a lot of time, you know, making fun of, you know, being... I've been in Las Cruces 23 years. I didn't graduate from NMSU, but I have, I'm i an Aggie fan, mm-hmm. and I love to make fun of UTEP, and I love to talk smack about El Paso, yeah. uh, especially to my mom. Uh, we lost her last year, but before that, oh. I used to always talk about, talk about how ugly El Paso <laughs> is. And it's, just nothing, it's not as pretty as Cruces, and UTEP sucks. And yeah. But, it, you know, in all honesty, that's just good-natured fun. I, I really do love the city of El Paso, and if if ever there was something that kind of exemplified the spirit of what I know El Paso to be. It's what you just described. They want their Sun back. It, they want the name. They identify with it, and they support it.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, it's so amazing how you talk about that, what you just said. So many times, year after year, especially when I started. I I knew about it, but I didn't know about it personally. When I started, I I found out on a personal note how the fans and even the players from the the teams that are going to come in, they have this perception of El Paso that it's this awful place. Every year, guarantee, Andrew, every year after they leave, they're like, wow, wow. Wow, wow, we've never experienced anything like this. Then the following year those people that were at our game and they didn't call they don't get to come the next year, they're like they'll call us or email us, text us, whatever. Hey, we wish we were over there with you guys. This other experience that we're having right now They do a whole nothing. thing.
0: They they bring uh they bring folklorical dancers to the to the airport and they greet the teams when they come in. Um I just lost my train of thought. You know, um I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. My friend uh, J.J. De Temple, who was an assistant basketball co- coach here at NMSU, did. Did you know J.J. Or were you here at the, around the same time? It I, I like... remember him. Yes, I didn't.
1: I didn't know him personally, but I do remember he, him. He yes. told me a
0: funny story. And so, being not from the desert, it took me a good five years. Now, I had traveled here several times as a child to visit my grandparents. Mm-hmm. So I'd been to El Paso and I'd seen the desert. But for somebody who's from the East Coast uh, and used to seeing green and trees like that, it can be a bit of a shock. And it took me about five years for my eyes to adjust Mm -hmm. and now i actually see different shades of tan um but my friend jj used to tell me that when they would bring recruits in uh to nmsu basketball recruits they would do two things number one they would always try to bring them in at nighttime yes so that they wouldn't see it, and they would get them up in the morning. And, and NMSU is a beautiful campus. Yes. You've got the Oregon Mountains and blah blah blah. And they would take them to the top, you know, the one of the grassy knolls, if you will, mm-hmm. on either the east or west side of Aggie Stadium. And they would either show them the mountains or would show the view of the valley. Um, and they they wanted that to be kind of their first impression. When they couldn't do that, mm-hmm. they would drive west on on I ten, and they would get to Schuster, and they would say would point to the right, and they would say, "There's you know UTEP, the University of Texas El Paso, those mm-hmm. evil miners." And if you look to the left, that's their dormitories. <laughs> if you look over there, it's Mexico. Exactly. And it's, not any old, you know, our, our we, 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 lo- we love our Mexican, our, our waddes brothers and sisters, but it's not the prettiest view I mean, but, right but there. Let's but be, let's be factual. Let's be factual with that.
1: Because if you do look look over there like that, okay, and it's like you said, I love Juarez. I do. Um but if you look, that's not the best neighborhood right across from
0: where where you were talking. I mean, it, it's a fact.
1: It's it's just the truth. Yeah.
0: So you know what I mean? You know, they, they want them to know if Utah was trying to recruit them and they went to school there, that's where their <laughs> dormitories would be. <laughs> but um, so the sports and more podcast. Uh, am I pretty accurate? I've listened to a couple episodes. Yeah. It really is just about El Paso area sports. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And you you have, know, you've got youth, high school, collegiate, and then there's the Chihuahuas that are the AAA for the San Diego Padres. Uh huh. They're the El Paso locomotives. The locomotive this is, uh, is the
1: soccer team. Is basically like a AAA soccer
0: team. Okay. Are uh-huh. they a feeder? Do they? Is it a feeder system for MLS? Yes. For which team?
1: I'm uh, not exactly how sh- how that works, but they okay. are associated with the MLS. Yes, okay. I do know that. And what
0: other? There's the El Paso the rhinos. The rhinos. The rhinos. There the rhinos there used is the to hockey. huh. that they used to be the Buzzards. Do you remember that there was a thing there was a, and it was it was so comical? There was the previous owner when they were the Buzzards. Was a bit of a character. Oh yeah! And somebody broke into their headquarters and stole all their gear. Mm-hmm. I've heard and that story they, before. And, and then they found out it was the owner who did it. <laughs> I, that, like, I remember <laughs> listening to Mondo and, and Buzz talk <laughs> yeah, about that. It was the but of course they you know they were a lot funnier than I am. Yeah. But um, so yeah, how did this? Yeah. How long have you been going with the Sports and More podcast? And, so, so we started the Sports and More podcast uh, last September. You know,
1: uh, a buddy of mine, Ace, the gentleman who does it with me, Ace Acosta, um, he, we talked and we're like, oh, sh-, you know, should we do this? And I said, uh, you know, why don't, why don't we start a podcast for myself? I'll, I'll, you know, I'll be the host and you can help me out. And he was like, all for it. So we started that and we've grown immensely and people have told me, wow, you've come a long way with this. Uh, you know, my most recent uh, episode which just came out uh, on Tuesday this past Tuesday was with Cody Decker former MLB baseball player who also played with the El Paso Chihuahuas and now uh, is the executive director for the El Paso Baseball Youth Association uh, there in El Paso and he's got some other things going on Um, is he a native of El Paso he is not a native of El Paso he just loved El Paso so much he came back and it's like we were just talking right he had this perception when he before he came about El Paso is this ugly spot blah 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 and he says the same things that we it's an amazing amazing city the people are beyond amazing and it needs to be promoted better and uh, that's one thing that I'm all about is promoting El Paso Uh, I want to promote the borderland region and when I say borderland I mean El Paso Las Cruces and Juarez
0: well you you know you touch on something and you know including us all as one region one one thing that I've always wished and to me would make a ton of sense would be for UTEP and NMSU to be in the same sports conferences for travel purposes. Oh, yeah. Are they're they still in the... UTEP is in Conference USA. So they're in Conference USA, and they're the Western terminus. Yep. And, of course, there are teams of, in Tennessee. Yep. Um, and there's even teams in Florida. And you would think for travel purposes, you can, you can hit both. play like for basketball, you play your Thursday night game at one and thir- Saturday night game at the other. Yeah. You, you have to take one plane trip. Um, and I'll tell you, I don't know how true this is. But I have had people over the years, two people who I trust very much to tell me the truth and people who are in a position to have known, mm-hmm. have told me repeatedly that the previous president, not Alicio, I believe her name is, mm-hmm. and the previous uh, athletic director, Bob Stahl, both at every opportunity, did everything they could to keep NMSU out of whatever conference UTEP was in.
1: I could believe that. Um, I I could believe that, a- and I still believe that there's a that kind of disconnect, uh, where I don't know if it's the administrators or just the fans or both, where they see themselves way above New Mexico State.
0: They do, and to, to be perfectly honest, they've always been one step ahead in the quality of conference. Well, they but they and they've also been ahead in the
1: the funding that they get and the funds that they have. Believe it or not. UTEP has a lot more money than New Mexico State.
0: Well, it's that's that's interesting. There's so many things about the two schools that are similar. Um, I you know, season one, I had Russ Bradbury in here. Oh, I love the uh, guy, I had him who, on mine too. Who coached, you know, he coached at UTEP there under Don Haskins, and he came and coached here under Lou Henson. And, you know, he was talking about how it's, you know, it's the fans that hate each other. The coaches and players are all cool. And,
1: they are. You know It's so awesome. And even, uh, you know, I, I came from New Mexico State. All those people that, that worked there in that department, the media relations department, they knew I worked for New Mexico State for 10 years. And when I took the job at the Sun Bowl and I said, hey, I'm here. I can help you. You know, if there's anything I could do to help, you know, let me know. Uh, right away, I'm there. There I am doing the
0: stats there for the UTEP game. I was going to say, you, I know you have some sort of connection to UTEP. Are you working for them as well? Yeah, I do the f- football and basketball stats for them too. Wow. And then I do,
1: uh, I do games at the Chihuahuas. Uh, I'm the backup official uh, scorer. I mean, I, there's an official score, and then I'm also keeping the book. But my my main job is, uh, is typically the the clock. I don't know if do you know about the pitch clock, and uh, there's a timer there when you go to the
0: minor league games, and I've. Push the buttons to start and stop the clock and reset oh, it. Wow. And all you that. know, I um, we haven't talked about this, but you know, I grew up playing baseball. I still want to be a baseball player when I grow up. <laughs> um, but I actually have not watched baseball regularly uh, since the '94 strike. Wow! And I um, they turned me off so much, and they literally broke my heart going on strike. That it took me about four or five years to kind of get over it. Yeah. And by that time, I had moved out here um i'm a pittsburgh pirates fan or really was a pittsburgh Pir- so i grew up in the washington dc area but uh-huh. my, i grew up in a pittsburgh household yeah so i always grew up rooting for the pirates and the steelers and you know the, the pirates had their run 90 91 92 yeah and then by the time i had kind of gotten over being mad at the mlb for going on strike uh-huh um, I, I i was living out here the pirates sucked yeah. they, they went back to yeah. sucking yeah and they weren't on tv very often <laughs> And I just, I really, I got out of habit of of watching baseball and, you know, and it's something that they play 162 days a year. It's a lot to keep up with. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually, so I still listen to, there is a a morning sports talk show called the Sports Junkies. Yep, know them. came on the air. So you've heard of them. Yep. Out of DC. They come in there in uh, 96, about two years before I moved out here. And I listened to them on Mm radio.com. I still listen to them. And, you know, two years ago when the Nats had their run. And made the World Series. I watched all the postseason games. Yeah. And I said to myself, you know what, man? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start watching baseball again next year. Well, and I then, hope you then, have And been... then the pandemic hit. Yeah. You know, um, uh, I'm watching a little bit more than I ever have. But, um, you know, that's interesting. So I was talking to my dad. My dad was talking about the whole pitch count thing. Or not yeah. the pitch count, but the, the pitch clock. clock. Um, he was he was going off one day about, uh, about how long pitchers were taken. And you want to talk about a guy that's into baseball. Mm-hmm. He retired 25 years ago. Wow. He spent good bit of time fixing up the house that i grew up in Mm -hmm. but beyond that he spends his days uh researching the stock market and researching uh on dayton university of dayton basketball that's his (laughs) alma mater if if they if they are are recruiting or trying to talk to a player from the dc area my dad would go to the game and like write a little scouting report and share it on them before social media he would share it on the message boards. yeah but he knows he spends a lot of time online he knows i'm probably exaggerating a little bit but he seems to know Everything, every statistic about every single player in the Pirates organization, from majors down to that's awesome uh, their rookie league. He, you know, he used to go to spring training quite, quite a bit. Uh, met met him down there one year in ninety ninety nine or ninety eight. Uh, I met my folks down there, but um, you know, it's all honestly it's all rosy and and good now, but things weren't always like that for you. You had yeah. some dark periods. Yeah,
1: I did. I, I, you know, and I still, I still do at times, you know, even in, in the spot that I am. And I, you know, I gotta admit that there's days where I fight, fight off thoughts and fight off emotions and fight off, Whatever is going on in my life, you know, just like other human beings. And, and that's something that I'm still learning. And people, uh, sometimes look at me and say, man, you're always happy. You're always in a good mood, man. And I'm it seems like, like it. <laughs> and it does, it does. I really do put on that, that face, you know, out and about. I'm not going to lie. And, and, you know, there's times I go home though, and I go home and I live with just myself and my dog. And so, you know, there's those moments where you're alone and you start thinking. And, and these thoughts come, and uh, you know you're probably talking about some dark times. In particular, that I had with alcohol. You know, did that start a, in college? That started when I was 15 years old. I drank. My career of drinking went from 15 to the age of 24.
0: Uh, I drank and pretty hard. It start off. I mean, start off as you, t- typical high school. Typical. You
1: you know you're in high school. You're hanging out with the guys. The older guys are there, and they're partying. You want to be cool and. You know, I remember the first time I got wasted and drunk now that I think about it it's funny I'm thinking about it really clearly right now is I got drunk off of
0: Zima. <laughs> You're such a girl. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: even admitted it on air. <laughs>
0: That's okay, Eddie. You still got your man card.
1: Yeah, right. So, I mean, I I went from Zima to to constantly Budweiser and and Southern Comfort for
0: multiple years, you know. And and the excuse was, it's a small town. There's nothing to do here, right? That's what it was. And you know what the the problem with that is? Me being from, I mean, I grew up in Fairfax County, Virginia, Uh which now has a population of well over a million people. That's what we said when we were growing up there. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing to do. That's why we drink.
1: Yeah, and, you know, you know and, it, and it took off from there. And, you know, like I said, I was always hanging out with the older, the older crowd. And, you know, they showed me how to drink and I drank with the best of them. And, uh, you know, and drinking led to other things, you know, and uh,
0: I'll, I'll go ahead and admit it. And it led to drugs. Yeah. And in particular. At, at what point? Let me stop you right there and hold that thought. At what point looking back, not that you would know it at the time, at what point do you think it became a problem? I think it became a
1: problem uh probably when I moved over here to Las Cruces and Alogen. had more more freedom. Uh because I didn't know how to handle my freedom. I, I didn't learn uh early enough how to how to handle that. And um I didn't know at the time in particular that I was an that I am an alcoholic, that I could never just drink one One beer, one drink, whatever. I didn't ever know that until, of course, afterwards. Uh, But I believe it became a problem when I moved over here in in those college years when I was 18, 19, 20 years old. And then, of course, I became 21 and I, you know, just was already full fledged by then.
0: Well, um, it's, you know, I guess different people do you have now? Do you have uh, alcoholism in your family? Because they say there's a genetic component to it.
1: Um, I, I, well, I can't speak for them for anybody else. I really can't. Yeah, I couldn't even like
0: look. Well, and... there are, there are people who know. Yeah, and I I can't. drink. Either because... way, either way. Like I know. And maybe I'm not. Maybe I apologize if I'm asking yeah. you to out somebody in your family. Yeah, no,
1: no. And, and I, I'm again, even if, like I I know where everybody's at with their drinking. I know yeah. exactly where everybody's at. But it's it depends on that every every individual person to admit their alcoholism or not. Uh, and that's where I am and being, and I learned that when I started, uh, when I stopped drinking and I started going to AA, I, I started off in AA going to the 12 step programs and going to a lot of AA meetings. Uh, what was the,
0: what, what, what was the breaking point? Why why did you end up getting, going to recovery?
1: So I started, I went into recovery because um, so just to take a couple steps back, like I said, the drinking led to drugs. Um, and in particularly led to my use in methamphetamines and then from my use of methamphetamines to selling methamphetamines and then from selling it to getting caught. And then as I was waiting, awaiting my trial, uh, for my, my felony selling methamphetamines, I picked up another DWI and I woke so You're out of control. I mm-hmm. was, uh, I was waiting for my trial and, I'm, and I got arrested for DWI. And that that, that I will. I my bail bondsman at the time, who 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 was you know covering me for my my felony, he got me out of jail. My lawyer at the time, who was also covering my felony, knew the judge and worked some things to where the DWI wouldn't affect my felony until you know where I could be added more you know time or whatever it was. So I got really lucky. It's again, that's one instance of the grace of God, and we'll you know talk about faith, but that was one instance of the grace of God, where it kind of I got around that, and I woke up I'll never forget waking up. The next morning after I got arrested, waking up after I got out of jail, the bail bonds dropped me off where I was staying and I woke up the next morning on a tile floor because I felt I didn't deserve to sleep on a couch or a bed or anywhere. I just laid on the floor because I was so uh, hurt and disappointed with myself and I woke up uh, on a tile floor and that morning is when I literally was my first morning of not drinking
0: Uh, and that was on April the 3rd. Of 2005. It's interesting how people remember those dates. Now, have you relapsed? No. You had, you just literally, since April 3rd, 2005, you and I, and I have not had, had a call. sip of alcohol. And, and and no meth? No meth. How difficult was it? It's become more difficult as more time
1: has gone by. Really? Yes, because now, for example, um, uh, in the last like two to three summers in particular, I'll give some instances where uh, I love baseball. we were talking baseball. I work baseball games. I I, I sit and I look and I'm out looking over the crowd and everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people are sitting there in the summer, you know, warmth and heat of a baseball game enjoying a nice cold beer, right? That sounds wonderful. It looks wonderful. Look at the smile on that. No, they're enjoying it. Everybody's happy. I want to do that. Yeah. No, Eddie, you can't do that. You cannot. You cannot do that. Or another instance of like, talked about getting sitting in in my home and getting these thoughts by myself. Oh, I can just go right here to the, the Chuckies down the road and, and you know I'm in Donana and nobody's gonna notice and nobody's gonna see me. I'm gonna go get me a forty and come and just sit here in my house and drink a forty by myself. Yeah. Let's see how that works, guy. Cause yeah. that that's not gonna work. It might work for one day, maybe two days, maybe a week. It's gonna catch up, and
0: I'll be back in jail. Do you remember when you were using, um, an actual moment, um, was it or or was it so constant? I guess my question is, do you ever remember thinking to yourself, having a stressful moment, or being sad, or be, having anxiety, or something like that, being like, Shit, I need a drink, right? I need I need to hook up. I need to I need to spike, or however it smoke, or whatever you. It,
1: it wasn't. It wasn't stress anymore after a good while. It wasn't stress that said, oh, I need to go get me a beer." It was just, "I just want to drink and get and and I would tell this to people all the time with my drinking all the time. Um, they're like, well, damn, you're gonna get all drunk, dude." Well, of course. <laughs> why? Why? Why did they make alcohol? Yeah,
0: alcohol is intent is to get drunk. You know, I can't, Eddie. I, I'm I'm not gonna hear, sit here and disrespect you and and, and demean or or or. Um... Not give uh, proper credit and respect to people who really have dealt with chemical addiction. You know, I, most of my life, a good 40 years, I've spent uh, uh, with a bad food, you know, sugar. Yeah. you sugar, mentioned sugar that to is me the, devil. the sugar is the devil to me. And again, nowhere near the kind of power of a person's life that, that, uh, that alcohol and drugs can do. But I, I do get it to a point. Uh, I mean, I was hungry this morning and I walked into a and I saw a box of uh, Krispy Kreme donuts. Mm-hmm. And my, my problem is I can't just... It, one is no good. There you go. That's I got the same to eat thing. the whole box mm-hmm. and feel really good for about three and a half minutes mm-hmm. and then feel like crap afterwards yeah. and have a bellyache. There it is. You know. It's, um, it's,
1: it, to be. it's extremely similar.
0: I cannot just have one beer. Right, but it, I don't want to, again, I don't want to put myself on the same level. You know, my issues with, with sugar and food is the same because it doesn't have the same control over your life and yeah. it, it, it can, in some extreme circumstances, be destructive. But what I'll tell you is... Um, I know, and, and I'm very, very lucky, and I know this about myself, what I'm not prone to is I don't have that addictive part when it comes to alcohol. I, mm-hmm. And I like to drink. I'm a beer snob. I love my craft beers. Uh-huh. I love my vodka. And I really, really love the way alcohol helps with anxiety. Uh-huh. Um, it's magic. Yeah. It's and, absolutely and, and magic. And that to me is, the I guess, the the interesting,
1: interesting part about humans in general. Right. Because and we've talked about this, how I can't gain weight. You mentioned to me before that, oh, you have the opposite
0: effect where you instantly gain weight. Right, right. And I'm the only person I know who's gained nine pounds training for a half marathon. <laughs> and no, ladies and gentlemen, you do not gain muscle running distances. And
1: see, and I think I'm the only person where I lose nine pounds doing nothing but weightlifting and right. and, and trying to take all the protein in. You know, get you I mean? yourself a nice little gym outside your house. Yeah, it's, it's, that. It's, it works wonders, especially during the summer. I love it. Right. So, uh, but it's so interesting how we're we're just so de- and that's the human species. You know what I mean.
0: Some of us can handle alcohol, some of us can't. Some of us can handle food, some of us can't. And I'm just I'm just very thankful. And I learned this and I I think I always knew this about myself, but I did go through a period a few years ago where I was I was having my midlife crisis. I tell people I had to take a break from my <laughs> existential <laughs> dilemma to have a midlife crisis, but it was serious stuff, like really really serious stuff yeah. that affected all aspects of my life. And um I remember my therapist telling me to watch out. Yeah. And my wife telling me to watch out. And I knew I, I really did know what I was doing. And, mm-hmm. and the proof was when things started to clear up for me, the drinking went back to normal. Yeah. Um, and I still I'm not afraid to admit I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I, I use alcohol to deal with anxiety, period.
1: And there, There's nothing wrong with it. I don't think, again, but I don't drive <laughs> uh, again. I, I and that's, the, that's probably that's a big difference. So, Andrew, is that you are very aware of yourself and you're very aware of your choices And that's where I get so bothered with people uh, drinking and, in particular, drinking and driving. Because people are not aware of themselves and their inhibitions. And when they lose their inhibitions and then they start making those bad choices, those wrong choices, uh, those mistakes, as they call it, uh, and go and drink and drive, uh, which leads to
0: DWI's death, etc. Well, and unfortunately, here in New Mexico, uh, drinking and driving really is uh, kind of the national pastime. It's sad to say it, but yeah. it's, it's so ingrained in the culture. And when I say that, I'm not talking about Anglo or Hispanic culture or, or poverty, because or, it affects people. Mm-hmm. It The one thing that, that I you know realized, some of the coolest people I know, actually, mm-hmm. people have arrested for driving drunk. Oh, yeah. Because DWI is something that cuts across all demographics. Yes. And when I say it's part of New Mexico culture, it's part of being here in New Mexico. But brown, white, black... It affects everybody uh, rich poor rural urban it doesn 't matter it 's part of being a new Mexican unfortunately mm-hmm. yeah um and it 's a stain that I hope we can get rid of one of these days but um you know you so you do the you do the twelve step thing, and I know it sounds maybe it 's cliche, maybe it 's not is that how you i know that I know that faith is a part of alcoholics so, Anonymous.
1: um you know like i said i that 's where I started uh, I started there because um when i was before I went to my sentencing. Uh, it was suggested that I start cleaning up and start doing the right things to, you know, show that I was caring about turning my life around to show that I was caring about doing those right things to get to where I needed to get. Um, so I started going to A right away and I would just go and sit and listen for the first at least the first month. And I was, I would sit and listen. I would hear a lot of things about God. And I would see on the walls a lot about uh, let go and let God was one of the biggest ones I remember seeing the signs and stuff like that. And then I had to go and do some, um go and live in a halfway house after I got sentenced and, and go and live in a, a rehab for three months and then a halfway house for nine months. Um, and while I was there at the halfway house, one of the things we had to do was go to AA every day, and so I was really got involved with it. And as I was doing that, I also there was a a church nearby, a Catholic church, and that's where I really started. With just because
0: I grew up Catholic, like most people around here in New Mexico. Does, does, let me interrupt for just a second. Does does AA have an official? I don't want to say affiliation with because that wouldn't be the right word. I've never met anybody who went to AA and became a Muslim or, or Jewish or Hindu. You know what I mean? They all become yeah. Christians. Yes. Is, and there, and is there an actual, is that part they're of They're
1: not AA? official, but if you do your research and dig deep, you, one would learn pretty quick. Well, one would learn that the founders of AA were Christians. Were Christians. Okay. And, and they, were, they became Christian at some point.
0: Now, you said you grew up, not surprising, you grew up in the Catholic Church here yes. in, in New Mexico, you know, mm-hmm. Hispanic family. Yeah. Um, how, how much of a part of your life was it?
1: Uh, it was very, very much ingrained into me. Uh,
0: I learned I was a very proud Catholic for many, many years. Um, now, was it, now, Judaism, I'm, you know, my family was was Jewish and I was raised Jewish. I'm, I'm very agnostic now. But I know Judaism and Catholicism are very similar in the sense that uh, ritual is big and uh, group prayer is big. And I know mm-hmm. that for a lot of people of both faiths, the ritual and the community is a bigger part than the actual faith and spirituality was that the case uh, with you um yes it was a lot of the
1: traditions i will right. i will, will say that it was a, there was a lot of traditions that i was really a part of and really took in and we really held on to um you know and, and it, it took a lot of uh the the trials going through all this stuff really led me to do some soul searching and to search the bible and search you know search for god to really search for God, and so I could find peace, I was really wanting just answers, and I just kept seeking and seeking, and I don't even know what kept pulling me, um, other than the Holy Spirit, and and you know, to me, the way I see it, my perspective is, He got a hold of me, right, and and now He's not letting go.
0: You know, one of the things—it's so funny, Eddie—the when I think about you know, off the top of my head we've we're in our third season now we've done about 26 27 28 episodes for somebody like me uh you know for for religion not being a part of my life you know at this point in my life i seem to have had and i and i, I honestly at at times can be quite critical primarily of a certain segment of the christian population in the us huh? oh yeah and, and and the way that <laughs> nice, yeah. and the way that certain segment you know cuz you see on my facebook yeah. posts <laughs> i love it but um the the way that that one particular segment uh, attempts to influence public policy in certain ways. It's amazing, though, that the number of, of people I've had on my show for whom faith is a big part of their life. Uh, I had my real good friend Pastor Jared in here from Peace Lutheran Church. Okay, love that guy to death. Yes. He's a good, he's a great friend. Um, one of the things that I find so, for lack of a better term, palatable about your faith and your profession of it, uh, meaning you not as a, you're not a professional faith person, but you profess yeah. your faith. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, well, I was. Is that there's a just a, there's a it's not off-putting, and it's not judgmental.
1: I, I, I um, it's for
0: you. Th- there you go.
1: It's for you. It's for Eddie Morelos. That and that's it. And that's uh, something that I um, struggle with, I guess, because I. Do you know... feel like you should witness more? Uh, I know I should witness more. <laughs> There's uh for example, I put a post today um, that the last three days has really been uh, tugging on my heart to really share. Uh, And it's a very harsh uh, scripture um, out of the Old Testament. Sure way, man. And it talks about how um, God told this group and warned them. It said, you need to go kill off all those. Go kill those prophets, he said. You got to go kill them all off. Those prophets are not right. Go get rid of them because those prophets are convincing other people to go and follow other gods, other false gods. So they had to go kill off all the prophets. And it really bothered me to read that. There's a lot of death and
0: destruction in the Bible.
1: (laughs) A A lot more than most Christians will ever want to admit or talk
0: about. Yeah, but won't they say that that's all Old Testament stuff and, and they Jesus will, and the New Testament say was the good? It, and, the...
1: and then they'll say that, uh, that, that God doesn't uh, allow any bad to happen. And I'm like reading, I'm like, wait a minute, if he didn't allow it, then why is it
0: here? Yeah, why do little kids have cancer? <laughs>
1: they, they, I mean, again, because they're not willing to admit that God has a full plan. And he sees the full plan, and it's his plan. And no, it's hard for people to take in. Wait, because if people, oh yeah, well God's in control, he's large and in charge, he's in full control, he's in control, he's the creator. Okay, so he's in control of everything? And though yes, yes, he controls it all. Okay. And then you start talking about those things. Oh, but that's the devil. Okay, so where did the devil come from? He's a fallen angel, isn't he? Okay, who
0: creates everything? God. There you go. Eddie, I like where you are, Eddie. I really do like where you are. This is like I told you beforehand. This was going to be a very easy episode because we get along so well, and you're such an open book. And you know the funny thing, the the thing I notice about your show, yeah. Whenever I listen to it, the first couple of minutes, there's a lot of laughing. Yeah,
1: we're you're just a so jolly fun. guy. We, I like, I like to have fun with people. You know, because right. I, there's moments where like people are not wanting to be around me because like in, in the are too happy intent. No, no, in those. Because uh, it's total opposite, where I, I get you. really intense. Because I get become very passionate about everything, almost everything I do. I yeah. become very, very passionate, and especially with my job. Like I love working for the Sumble, love it, love it, and I get very passionate about it. And on game week, and especially on game day, my head is straight and focused. And people, it's funny because my partner Ace Acosta, who helps me, you know, even I'm not so used to
0: seeing that part of Eddie.
1: And 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 he goes, he'll he'll warn people. They'll be like, oh, what is it like for you? Because old Mondo asked, what is it like for you? And he, he said right away,
0: don't mess with them on game day. I wouldn't mess with you on game day or any other day. You're a good dude, <laughs> Eddie. Where that. where can people hear the Sports and More podcast? You can find the Sports and More podcast
1: on pretty much any of the platforms that carry podcasts: Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. We put them all up on our Facebook page. We have a Facebook page, Sports and More Podcasts. Search for that. We also have a Twitter uh, at Sports and More Pod. Uh, Mondo uh, Medina started Al Paso Sports Network, and he places all my podcasts on his website, Um So, I mean, get, get on Spotify and subscribe there. Uh, get on Apple. If you have an Apple iPhone, click on subscribe there.
0: Anchor FM. I mean, all of them. Google, search it. YouTube. Well,
1: we got some YouTube videos like we
0: had our last I saw, one. I saw that halfway into my third season. I, I have now interviewed another podcaster. Eddie Morales, thank you very much for being my guest Uh, here on the square peg podcast ladies and gentlemen we will see you next week we hope you enjoyed this week but tune in again new episodes every tuesday in season we'll see you later